Good morning, church. This morning, our scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 27 through 39. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered them, Can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says, the old is better. This is the word of the Lord. So would you join me as we pray for Susanna? Living God, when you speak, everything, everything changes. In utter darkness, light is formed. The cripple walks. And someone who's been ostracized and set aside is welcomed home. And so we ask that you will speak this morning through Susanna. We know all of the efforts that she's put in into, um, into this moment. And so we ask that your Holy Spirit uh, empower her and fill her with your joy as she does so. We thank you that we could listen to your word. We thank you that we could be with you here at this moment. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, good morning. It's good to be here. So, pretty excited. I think everything's going to be okay. I know in the, <laughs> in the past stuff has happened, but it's feeling good. It's feeling not like an emergency. Um, so we're going to start with some slides, and it's just highlighting, we don't have to look very far for expert advice when we have a problem. So you can see this one says, just focus on the, what is it, on the things you can control. So this one here says, have you considered taking up yoga? <laughs> this one says, focus on the positives in the situation. Maybe 
You should make a vision board. <laughs> I know these are a bit extreme, but they illustrate how gurus of self-help don't really take, they don't understand the real danger. In part, we, learn on, we lean on self-help because as a society, we are uncomfortable with weakness. Today, let's consider how vulnerability and need can move us closer to the heart of God. Last week, we saw Jesus beginning his ministry in Galilee and receiving a bit of a mixed reception. He is rubbing the Pharisees and the teachers of the law the wrong way. One thing that really upsets them is the type of people that Jesus hangs out with. Jesus responds, those who are well have no need of a doctor, but the sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Do you think that this means that Jesus came for a certain type of person? In university, I played water polo, and one of my teammates was from Russia. She had already had an Olympic bronze medal when she came to our team, and she was one of the hardest workers I had ever known. She would even stay after practice when we'd already been in the pool for four hours. One Sunday evening, she came with me to church, and this church was in um, a nightclub in the business sector in downtown LA, and I was really interested to know what she thought. So I turned to her after the service, and she said to me, only weak people need God. I was stunned. I didn't know what to say. We played on a Division I water polo team. I did not want to be weak. But the truth is, she was right. Even though we often hide it, we are all weak. Yes, when we are born, someone else cares for us, and as we age, we will need someone else to care for us again. We all get sick, we all get injured, experience rejection and pain, and fear of losing control. And ironically, we fear it all the more when everything is going well. We have weakness. Some of us are more vulnerable than others, but no one is impenetrable. At some point in life, we all need a doctor. It is then, when we are sick or injured, we realize how vulnerable we are and that we cannot make it on our own. It is in those moments that we become aware that we need a savior. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law had also been hoping for a savior, one in their own image. But Jesus did not fit the profile. He was a teacher with authority, but the way he did things was incorrect. For starters, he healed people on the wrong days in incorrect places, and today he is feasting with sinners instead of fasting with saints. It isn't need or longing that draws the Pharisees to Jesus. It's the internal debates they have, and they wonder, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Yet yours eat and drink. Didn't Jesus know there existed clear indications of righteousness? The law must be maintained to ensure a right orientation towards God, to prevent the effects of sin, real effects like sickness and pain. The Pharisees wanted righteousness so bad that they fasted twice a week. 
That means that they were fasting 105 days in a year when the Jewish law only required one day of fasting. If anything, this group of individuals proved they were not weak. So they asked Jesus, why are you fasting? Why are you not fasting? And he simply responds, no one fasts at a wedding banquet. There are times to fast and times not to fast, and this simply is not the time. Jesus goes directly to the reason why anyone should fast or feast. It isn't about following a fasting app and receiving notifications on your phone, time to fast. <laughs> no. Feasting and fasting come out of a response to what God and his doing and his actions. We do both feasting and fasting based on him, based on the circumstances that we find ourselves in, in response to how he is impacting lives. We feast or fast because of conversations we are having, loved ones that are being healed, friends that are getting sick, family members that are struggling with addictions, God providing community, wholeness for our children and for our aging parents. Our rhythms of prayer, supplication, and praise are a response to our daily lives and what God is at work doing. If we see a beautiful sunset, we give praise to God. When we hear that a friend is sick, we bring them a meal, or we take their children to the park. It doesn't have to be a lot to respond to what is happening around us. Yet, there is another reason why Jesus is feasting. Jesus is feasting because he is thrilled about his new disciple. Our passage begins when Jesus goes out for a walk by the sea. And he sees Levi at work in his tax booth. We don't know why Jesus is drawn to Levi. He is busy at work, carrying on his daily activities. If Levi was looking for Jesus, there is no indication in the text. But Jesus turns to him and says, follow me. For everyone on the street, this was unexpected. Many probably thought, how could Jesus call a tax collector? Doesn't he know? If anyone is cut off from God, surely it is him. Sometimes Jesus' redeeming love for others is hard for us to take. The young adults pastor at the church that I was, um, my home church in college, Scott Dudley, made a joke, and I always thought it was so funny. And he said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But it's not so amazing when it saves a wretch like you. <laughs> right? Often grace for each other does not come easily. But Jesus calls Levi and many other unexpected people into our midst. Jesus looks at Levi and invites him to become one of his most intimate friends. Levi didn't do anything to deserve this invitation. He was doing the same thing he did every day. This saving action is Christ's alone. Jesus is the one who went out for a walk. Jesus is the one who saw him, and Jesus invited him. 
John writes in one of his letters, because he first loved us. Jesus searches for each one of us. Busy in our daily routine, our hands in our pockets, our earbuds plugged in, he sees us and he calls to us. I'm here, be with me. Perhaps the only thing more shocking than Jesus' invitation of friendship to Levi's whole friendship to Jesus, to Levi is Levi's wholehearted response. The text says, and leaving everything, he rose and he followed Jesus. Without a thought to his wealth, his position, or his security, he left it all behind. But, the, but first, he throws a party. Levi celebrates and invites all of his friends to join. Levi wants everyone to meet Jesus for themselves. Levi was lost, separated from God, disconnected from his community, and then he answered Jesus' call and everything changed. And he wants to share this new life with everyone. This party must have been very special to Jesus. I wonder if this feast was in his mind when he told the series of parables that we read in Luke 15 about lost things. Particularly, Jesus describes how the good shepherd lovingly brings his lost sheep home, and then he throws a party with all of his friends. Although Jesus' invitation began with Levi that day, it did not end there. Now we will see what this new community is like that will receive a reformed tax collector. While Jesus reclines at the table with his friends and people of disrepute, he tells the religious leaders a parable about how new patches should not be sewn onto old clothes because the old clothes will tear. What's more, new wine cannot go into old wineskins. I, for one, have tried to sew old patches onto my jeans. <laughs> and you know what? It's a lesson in futility. It is just a prolonged goodbye to that pair of pants. <laughs> the denim is too thin. The threads pull apart. The wear of life has beaten them down, and they cannot even be recycled. They must be let go of. Similarly, with new wine, it requires fresh wineskins. Having already done their job, the elasticity in the old wineskins is gone. The old skins have become rigid and inflexible. No longer supple, they cannot foster the process of fermentation needed to make the wine. In this story, we are already seeing the power of this new wine in the life of Levi. He was found by Jesus, and here's his call, follows, and he is called into life with the Spirit. This is exactly what John the Baptist said would happen at the arrival of the Messiah. In Luke 3, 16, he says, I baptize you with water, but there is one coming after me of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And he baptizes with the Spirit and with fire. This new wine is God's own Spirit, come to dwell in and with his people. All that Jesus is doing as he heals, forgives, searches, invites, removes barriers, 
It is the gift of the new wineskins so each of us can receive his Holy Spirit. The perfect love of the Father, working in independent unity with the Son, as the Spirit offers himself and gives the capacity to receive him. A few weeks ago, Philippe and I had the privilege of going to Onion Lake, and we visited the brothers and sisters at the Onion Lake Log Church. You can see there it is. It's in Saskatchewan. Pastor Martin's life, the pastor there, is a call, and his call is a testimony to the power of this new wine. Growing up on the reserve was not easy, and he experienced many of the challenges firsthand that oppressed his community. But his mother and sister had become Christians, and they prayed for him. One day, when things were at his, their worst, the love of God just poured into him, and he was utterly changed. God filled him with the Holy Spirit and gave him a burning desire to share God's love and proclaim Christ's freedom to everyone in his community. The community built this beautiful log church. There's the inside of it. And as soon as you step into it, you experience coming home to a sanctuary where God is present in stillness and quiet. Pastor Martin has opened his church as a town hall for the reserve social events, and they have a community meal there on Sundays. These days, his ministry has grown as people on the reserve invite him to preside over their funerals. We had the chance to go with Pastor Martin to a funeral, and I was blown away. When he speaks, you can sense Jesus calling to his children to come home and receive his love. More than anything, Pastor Martin desires to see the power of God set the young people free from the gangs and to break the chains of violence in their community. The Lord is pouring new wine into fresh wineskins in the community at Onion Lake. Here is a picture that Pastor Martin gave to me. It's a picture of a painting that Pastor Martin gave to me that was painted by his niece, Ruby Cut Knife. And I just want you to look at these symbols of joy and wholeness. The animals are drawing near. You can see the beautiful colors in the trees. There's flowers blooming. It's hard to see that, but by the, by the log house. You can see smoke from the fire in the cottage, and there's a fire outside. The home is filled with life and warmth and nestled in safety. A man is fishing for a supper, and in all of this peace, the eagle descends bathed in light, and he has almost reached the light that is emanating from the water. When I see this eagle, I think of the Holy Spirit at Jesus' baptism. Any moment, the light from the water and the light from the eagle will meet and God's kingdom will come. Christ and the Spirit embracing and moving in power to give new life to his people. What, are the state, what is the state of your wineskins today? Are they like an old pair of jeans that you have worn everywhere but are now ragged and it feels like they could tear? 
or maybe your wineskins have become brittle through years of holding wine. Now the old wine is gone, and there is need of more. Your heart has become hard, facing the many, many challenges of life. The old wineskins will not do. They cannot receive the fresh wine that the Spirit is pouring out. The God has been pursuing us all through this week. Christ with us at work and at rest, longing to give us fresh wineskins and just shower us in his love. He stands with open arms to receive us and give us life in his spirit. If today is the first time that you have received this call from Christ to come and follow him, we want to all say yes with you. If you are hearing it again after a long time, we are a community that receives you. Christ is calling us, in, all of us here, wherever we are at, into deeper intimacy with him. Today he is saying, let it go. Let me take the weight of the world off your shoulders. Lay it down. I will give you a new life in the spirit. I will teach you to move with my rhythms of grace, and I will never let you go. So we want to give you just a chance to, to pray and to respond. Um, if you're feeling like, yes, you know, I want this new wine, it's time for a new refreshing. We want to join you in prayer for that. Um, and if it's the first time that you're receiving this wine, today's the day to do that. So let's just respond in prayer and, um, and seek for God in silence and answer his call on our lives. Father, we thank you that you see us, that you call to us, that you have loved us since we were formed in our mother's womb. Thank you that you have good plans for us, that you are restoring us and calling us to yourself. I pray for everyone here that's been touched by your spirit, that we continue to be renewed by you, Lord, that we would grow in love and desire for you the ability to hear your voice. Thank you for how you care for us. Thank you that you are teaching us how to live in gentleness and humility and to walk with you. And I pray for us as we go out into the week ahead that we will sense your nearness and your life-changing power of the Spirit in us, in our community, and as we care and love for those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.